0: It does not mean for all the skeptics out there that people are are getting along all the time or like holding hands. It means that you can have conflict and conflict is healthy, but with that agreement that we're going to do no harm. And, and the advantage of that is kindness, the, the science and the data show that kindness helps create trust, plain and simple. So if we have, if we start from that place of kindness, we're able to create that trust then you know, think about our government in the United States right now. Mm. Think about if President Biden was able to get everybody in Congress to agree to do no harm. It doesn't mean that they won't disagree. It doesn't mean that they won't have conflict, but it means that they will be able to listen objectively to one another, that they will be able to arrive at a solution, that they will not walk out of the room as us versus them. So it's that type of thing, but it, has, it requires leadership at the top It requires, you know, action that goes all the way through the organization because that's what reaches every single person in a company.
1: How you day, how you day. That was the voice of Cole Baker Bagwell. And we are discussing how to embrace the art of kindness. Yes, kindness. That simple concept is what holds the key to bringing us together. At least that's what today's guest thinks. I'll be very interested in hearing your thoughts on the episode we discuss her career how she found kindness how we can apply kindness to our workplaces ourselves and our families and why it isn't weakness so be sure to let us know what you think you can reach out to her on their social media platforms which will be in the show notes you can reach out to me anywhere at tyroxin that is the name and you can find me anywhere Another way you can let us know what you think about the episode and the podcast in general is to please leave reviews. Your five-star reviews or any review that you feel uh, you deem fit for the podcast helps the visibility of the show. So if you like the episode, just take a few seconds and tell us what you think about it. And that way, we are able to be seen more and discovered more on the various podcast platforms. Please, 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 please share your thoughts. I'm also, as you know, I've been saying this for the last few episodes or so, I'm putting on my first virtual spoken word event, which will cover identity, change, dealing with differences, and also making an impact. It is a poetry night where I am using my poems and creating opportunities for dialogue with the audience, but I'm using my poems to narrate what it was like to grow up being black on four continents. I hope you check it out as well. That is... Is also in the show notes. But for now, enjoy the episode. Welcome everybody to as told by nomads. And today I'm with the host of kindness think tank and the founder of Cool Audrey. Her name is Cole Baker Bagwell. Her friends call her C V2. She's an unconventional blend of a business person, mindfulness practitioner, and yogi. And she learned all three truths over her two-decade career. In sales and strategy, this guided our work then, and it does now. But today, we're going to focus on that word, kindness. Welcome to the show, Cole.
0: Thank you. I love focusing on that word. It's one of my favorite words in the whole world. Well, I'm happy to be here with you.
1: It's it's very kind of you to say that, Cole.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but it's true as well. That's yeah. what makes it even kinder.
1: <laughs> yes. Oh, I, 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 yeah. We, we're going to play with this word all all podcast, but. curious you've been fascinated with this word kindness this is something that has been equated to mushy soft weak but or nice too good goody two-shoes but why the fascination with the word kindness
0: the fascination i think came from the fact that you know i realized that there is a real opportunity for us to bring more kindness into this world and work in society otherwise you know and it's one of those words that's been really diluted over time. And, you know, I go back to the 14th century definition, the origin of the word, it means noble deeds and courtesy. But if you look it up now, it means, you know, friendliness. And we hear about random acts of kindness, which are lovely, but to me, there was so much more. And then I experienced that so much more when I was in, in the corporate world. And um, I began really studying it and researching it and thinking about, you know, how, can we, how can we really bring this into the world in a practical way, in a way that's not surprising like a random act, but in a way that's really deep that we can begin to create greater connection with one another and you know, heal some of the things that are really fractured and broken in our society. So that's my why for kindness.
1: So let me ask you this question then because I saw that you had a prompt about this. Do you believe that we're inherently good or we're inherently bad?
0: No, I believe we're inherently good. I believe everyone is inherently good. And I think what happens along the way, like, have you ever seen little kids play?
1: Yes. Yeah. Okay.
0: So, you know, they might spat a little bit, but if they're on the playground together, especially really young children, they usually are holding hands and walking up to strange children that they don't know and saying, do you want to be friends? So it's this beautiful thing that comes from within. And certainly it helps if we are taught that at home as well. But we we inherently have this and the neuroscience shows that we are wired literally in our brains for compassion we are wired for generosity we are wired for collaboration or to row together as i like to call it and so i think what happens along the way to that goodness is that you know we begin to kind of shut down and we become disconnected with that best part of ourselves and with each other and i think a lot of it is society and then there are you know people who tell you, you can't do something or you can't be something, or it's silly to believe in something. And and so I think that's where we sort of become lost. And then I, I also think that in the American culture, at least it's very different in other cultures that we don't value kindness because it's so misunderstood. It's almost like we've overlooked it.
1: You, you know, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about what you're saying. And I have two ideas that, that keep coming into my head. one is there's there are religions that say, you're sinners, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have to re, you know, work your way to redemption. And then I'm thinking about what I define as worldview. Worldview to me is lived experience plus exposure. Now, my, my work is in diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging, accessibility, and anti-racism. And a lot of these behaviors, I often you know, uh, talk about how it, it stems from the lived experiences you've had and what you've been exposed to or not exposed to. Mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm hearing you talk about kindness being inherently good what do you what do you have to inherently an inherent trait that we have what do you have to say about what's happening in the world you know where wow. we have dictatorships and and yeah. people being just heinous and and ridiculous to each other and then the religion question
0: yeah so let's hit the religion portion first so every world religion though is and it doesn't matter what you call your god or what you call your book right? And every single one, and I did some study around this, every single religion is has this inherent um, law, mantra, if you will, to be kind. And they're stated a little bit differently from one religion to the other, but it's at the end of the day, the baseline is take care of one another. Uh-huh. Take care of something outside of yourself, you know, take care of the planet, take care of all the living creatures. And so um, the the religions that without really tipping my hand too much with the religions that believe that we're sinners, I, I don't buy into that thought at all because the science shows us differently. So for what that's worth, I know there are you know babies that are baptized and washed clean, but you know how in the world can an infant come into this world and be bad? So that's my personal view of things. I'm not a theologian, but I've given it a lot of thought and I did grow up um, really strict Episcopalian family. I went to Catholic school and, and when I hit my adult life, I decided that, you know, my faith is very strong and something bigger than myself, like the power, a power beyond myself. And, and as I've gotten older in my life, what I really believe is that power is the power of the collective consciousness. It's the power of every single one of us. And we create this energy, that is really beautiful or it's really toxic. So thinking about what's happening in the world right now, and my gosh, we could pick any one of the heinous things that are happening in any part of the world that we'd like. Um, I think that there are several things that feed those, those heinous acts. I think one is something that I call the evil three, which is ego, agenda, and bias. And so that's an opportunity for every single one of us, and we all have them. The people who say they don't, I don't believe they're being honest. So, so ego agenda and bias are are one part. Certainly, another part is the way that you're raised. If you look at you know people who grow up with um, hatred towards a person because of the color of their skin, they're not born with that; they're taught that. Uh-huh. So that is certainly a factor. That nurture factor comes in as well. And then I think if we look at the world right now, my we've had such a challenging year. I mean, that's an understatement to say that. But I think what's happened is with the uncertainty and with the fear, those evil three are then pronounced because people, a lot of people go into that mode of, I need to protect myself. I need to stand up for myself. I need to have control in a time where many of us feel we don't have a lot of control. So I think as, you know, as at the high level that's the problem and then we get into you know leadership of countries we get into leadership of that's communities right. and all of those things come into certainly as big influencers of that heinous behavior but it could also be turned around that's the beautiful part right it could also be turned around but we have to start redefining i think as a whole what we value and, and really having conversations about those values and then not only having conversations about them but creating chains of evidence and artifacts to show that this is what we value this is the action we're taking into the world to support those values and I think that's where we begin to see a shift
1: and this is what you call nurturing the soul of business I mean I imagine yeah yeah amplify that innate goodness so how does that work in application because everything you said I, I can you know I I can see how that that definitely works, right? You know, reminding ourselves uh, to tap into the best versions of who we are, but then doing that on an organizational level as well as a governmental level. But, you know, we live in a world of cynics, right? We live in a world of quote unquote, realists and people who, (laughs) and, and I, you know, I've been always, I've been accused of being an idealist oftentimes and an optimist, but the reality of the fact is that not many people share that worldview that you just described. And if you're part of the problem, yeah, and it's
0: also also the opportunity that's the problem and the opportunity, right? So I'm flying my flag really high. Um, (laughs) and you know, I've realized I'm not a pioneer in the woods alone anymore, like, there, I have a lot of friends in this world too, so that's really good. But, um, yeah,
1: (laughs) well, well, but what what you're saying, so if you're saying that's part of the problem, how can a change agent? change the organization? How can someone right now, especially in a virtual world, how can you say, I'm a leader, I have this opportunity, which you you highlighted, what are those practical things that someone listening can do in their family, in their organization and in their startup?
0: So I think, so startups and established companies are very different. Startups are like, you know, baby companies with big dreams and they have a a pretty clear slate. So the advantage of a startup is that, and I I just talked with a wonderful CEO the other day um, for my podcast who who is leading, it's not. It's, it's really a startup on the rise now, and they're disrupting a market, which is amazing. But we talked about how different it is to go in and have that opportunity to seed a culture and the DNA of the company with kindness, with the values like trust and respect. Yeah. And then you're hiring for those things, right? But it takes a certain level of awareness. So I'll talk about that a little bit too in just a second. Um, bigger companies, it's more difficult, especially companies, you know, there are companies, 90,000, 350,000 people and more out there. And what happens over time, just like with people, is that, you know, we become very set in our ways, unless we have something that's sort of a moment that says, Wow, well, we need to change. Companies are the same, and especially in these big companies, unless, unfortunately, unless there's some fallout, so... Yeah revenue is affected market share is affected the you know their attrition numbers are super high i think that it's it's much more difficult to change a culture like that now it can be done but the way that it has to be done is by firstly valuing kindness as a as a core value of the company and as i mentioned before not enough to just value it but to actually make process create your processes and policies and all of your decision making comes from that place of kindness and so let me define kindness for me because that might help a little bit i define kindness as doing no harm that doesn't mean you sit back and you do nothing it means that every action that you take every thought that you have every word that you speak is done with that intention of not harming someone else or creating you know drama somewhere or turmoil somewhere so as you think about a company if we, they worked from that place of, you know, the values, that value of kindness is one of their cores, and then that was influencing, you know, their collaboration. It was influencing the policies that they made, the processes that they created, the way that they hired people, the way that they laid people off, it becomes the language of the, of the company, but it has to start there and then be developed as a core competency in every single person that's there. So it does not mean for all the skeptics out there that people are are getting along all the time or like holding hands. It means that you can have conflict and conflict is healthy but with that agreement that we're going to do no harm. And and the advantage of that is kindness, the, the science and the data show that kindness helps create trust, plain and simple so if we had if we start from that place of kindness we're able to create that trust then you know think about our government in the united states right now mm. think about if president biden was able to get everybody in congress to agree to do no harm it doesn't mean that they won't disagree it doesn't mean that they won't have conflict but it means that they will be able to listen objectively to one another that they will be able to arrive at a solution that they will not walk out of the room as us versus them so it's that type of thing but it has it requires leadership at the top it requires you know action that goes all the way through the organization because that's what reaches every single person in a company so there's a lot of strategic work that has to go into it but i think that for more established more established companies if they're not holding kindness is a core value. If if they don't recognize that it creates momentum in business, then they will never get there. So doing work with just say one team of people or at, you know, one level of the organization is not going to be effective. It just simply won't. So there have to be decisions that are made and, you know, chances for people to sit back and reflect and say, where are we really doing things in the spirit of doing no harm? And then where do we have opportunities to make some change? So, it's, it's not an easy puzzle in a really big company, but it doesn't mean it can be done. It takes a lot of effort, intention and attention, that caring about people in business. And and then the thing that happens is it becomes a ripple that begins to affect all of these different things and it becomes easier over time.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, hearing a lot of awareness, a lot of intentionality, a lot of yep. commitment and, right. and, and consistency, right? Even yeah. with that commitment, it has to be backed by the consistency. And yeah. in my book, uh, I, you were talking about self-awareness and I think awareness is very important on a personal level as well as an external level. I, I broke it down as, I call it BTV, understanding your biases, your triggers and your values. And I want to touch on that value aspect because yeah. what I'm hearing from you is that every company's core value or a lot of people's core values at least should include being kind. And maybe- I
0: think so. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that should be a default, and it, it's a reminder because you, based on, on what you've studied, our brains are already wired for connection. It's yeah. what we've allowed, maybe you haven't allowed, but what have we been exposed to and what has been programmed into our, our mindset and psyche has maybe let us forget that. And it's time to tap into our natural instinct, which is to first of all, be kind.
0: Yeah. To, yeah, absolutely. There are, we have, it's, it's a very simple thing to understand when you begin to break it down. So, um, if we think about, if we stop thinking about kindness for just a moment, and we think about the neuroscience, every choice that we make creates a habit. Yes. And those habits create neural pathways and those neural pathways become our sort of way of moving through this world in the simplest terms, right? So if we have a neural pathway that you know, of reaction, of, um, you know, name-calling, of reacting poorly to situations, of responding from that place of ego agenda and bias. We have to disrupt those neural pathways first. That's where awareness comes in. And, And I explain it to people as we have to build a new road. We have to shut one road down and build a new road. And that's where the consistency comes in in the practice. And it's not easy all the time. I mean, my gosh, we, you know, we're moving through the world and we feel our nervous system getting jacked up, you know, and all of us know what it feels like. But I think what's happened is that if we don't know, if we're not putting the pieces together, and this is where my work comes in is, you know, I'm trying to educate people. When you start feeling your head spin or your heart race, or you can't get a linear thought and you just feel your blood boiling, and we all know what those things feel like, you've got to pause because the side of your nervous system that is in charge is not going to elicit anything positive. It's going to potentially do some harm. So that's where the awareness comes in first. And I think that for my own life, when I am, am not in touch with that, when I have a moment and I do because I'm human, or I have a moment where I react, I know it instantly because my neural pathways have been set up to be kind to not do harm. But when I have one of those moments, I can self-correct pretty easily. So, but that hasn't, that's not because I'm special. It's just because I've practiced and because I made it important for myself. So, you know, it was a choice. It's a choice. It's a capacity that we cultivate and it is tapping in with the best parts of ourselves. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring.
1: very similar things I study uh you know uh, the, the neuroscience of all of this and something that you learn when you study that is that yeah our, our brains are malleable right so oh yeah yeah as much as <laughs> as much as our brains are created to protect us which you know house a lot of our biases which inherently are you know there to make us feel like we're more comfortable or safer you can also add more information to that and then when you have those moments where your biases would have flared up you now have more information to tap into so which means it requires a lot of intentionality if you think about learning a language for example the the repetitive nature of learning and okay. practicing these terms eventually creates space for your for your brain to to increase in competency levels that okay. same logic can be applied to kindness to any other core value that you intentionally decide to to make a part of your lifestyle, but that's the, the, you know, that awareness of the gap and then the intentionality to bridge the gap yes. is uh, is where we, we need to be. It sounds like it's what I'm hearing. Yeah,
0: for. that's exactly right. And that's a really good analogy, a solid analogy that you offered about learning a language. It's anything, it's learning an instrument. It's, you know, learning how to cook for people who are very, very skilled at that. It's anything that we want to learn, I mean, if, if I felt like I was ever going to stop learning and, and if I ever felt like I, I ceased to have the ability to create new neural pathways, I don't really know what the point would be to continue on with my life because for me, that's everything. It's I, I am constantly reaching out for new information and learning new things, and but, but the things that really stick to your point are the ones that we practice over and over and over again. And, that's why i talk about kindness being cultivated as a core competency because it doesn't come easily for everyone maybe it's because of their nurture maybe it's because of their neural pathways maybe it's because you know they've just they they've just forgotten that there's something that they can tap into that's really good that's really powerful whatever the reason is you you start with that choice, but then you can cultivate this over time. And the research that, and the surveys I've done, and the clients that I've worked with actually show that I'm not out changing anybody. They're making choices to change themselves. Right. You know, we talk about environment. We talk about practice. Like all of these things come into play. Because if you've learned kindness, or you value kindness, and you go to work every day, and you have a leader who is horrible, toxic, ambivalent, whatever, right? You <laughs> choose your choose your adjective the chances that your kindness will really bubble up and become your default probably a lot slimmer yeah right so so we have to have that supportive environment in place as well
1: okay so since we're talking about agency here i want to bring it to that toxic environment so Mm -hmm. someone stuck in a toxic relationship. I've been in a toxic relationship and, and I study relationships for a living. And I, I found myself realizing I, I was in here because of choices I chose to ignore, things I, flags I chose to, um, to hide or suppress. Um, and thoughts that I had about myself, whether elevator or, or lower, but someone could be in a toxic relationship, listening to this, and they've convinced themselves that they need to be in this because they have no other option. And yeah. in that case, you can say they're not being kind to themselves. And then you have the, the other situation where someone is in a position where their boss is toxic, but then, you know, you have this, this dilemma of how am I going to pay for my rent or school and all those things. What do you do in those seemingly impossible situations? We know it's not impossible, but at the moment, it seems impossible. How do we have that internal dialogue with ourselves to say, okay, how can I really be kind to myself now? And what action steps should I take?
0: I love that you asked that because I've had very recent experience with a couple of good friends of mine who were in really, really toxic relationships, uh, one for 23 years and another one for about nine. And so I know these women very, very well. I mean, very well. And the, the women that I knew would have never tolerated what they've lived with for these years. But they did for different reasons, you know, in one case they had kids and the other case they just kind of felt like they they wanted to keep seeing something in that person that just wasn't real and so, you know, where they are now is beautiful they, they realized that in sort of the bottom fell out on both of these things there was, like I was talking about in business there was one of those moments where the bottom fell out, finally, <laughs> and it created some awareness in them, it didn't mean it was easy for them to flip that switch and move forward but uh, I started talking with them about, you know what, you have, you have to get back into yourself and remember what you're worth, remember what you deserve, remember what you believe in. And so manifestation is a very big part of this, just something as simple as writing down in a journal. And I believe in, po- in manifesting in the positive. So it's what do I want? How do I, so for work, for relationships, whatever, how do I want to spend these hours of my day? what do I need for myself? Um, What am I, you know, what am I missing for myself? And, and what do I believe in before this relationship, outside of this relationship, outside of work, maybe whatever relationship it is, what are the things that I believe in that I hold dear, that maybe I've forgotten? And so the good news is that in both of these cases, they remembered, and they were able to slowly begin to heal, to create that new road, that new neural pathway. And now these relationships that they were in, they they can't even really stand to look at that person anymore. And, and it's difficult for them to imagine that they were in that for so long because they've been out of it now long enough that it's not conditional anymore. It's not environmental anymore. Their world is peaceful. They're sleeping at night. And I think it's the same for work as well. I mean, I've had you know, great companies I've worked for. I've had toxic companies that I've worked for. And in one case, the most toxic company I worked for was many, many years ago when I got first divorced from my son's dad. And I was in a place where I had to make money. Mm. And, but here's what I did. I, you know, felt sorry for myself for a few months, cried, you know, acted like a baby. And then I pulled it together and I started remembering What was I good at and and what was really happening here to make this relationship so toxic? So I sat down with my manager at the time and I said, hey, listen, I can't control how you show up, but I can control how I show up. So I'm gonna set a couple of new rules for myself here at this toxic place that I'm part of right now. And that's really all I could control. So I, I found something to care about. I didn't give a rip about the work, but I really cared about the people About my clients, about my team. And in caring about them, it enabled me to tap into that kind place and give back the best parts of myself to those people. And she became the manager, became less consequential for me. So I would say that, firstly, I identify with people who feel that they don't have a choice. I don't believe anyone's ever stuck. You can start casting lines and you can start exploring, but it The start of that has to happen with how do I want to spend the hours of my day? What am I good at? Maybe some of us need just a reminder because we've been in those conditional situations so long that we've forgotten.
1: That's that's so beautiful. And I love that you said that because at that that moment, and this can be applied to individuals as well as companies, there's a moment where people feel like they have no choice. Uh, We voted for this person. I'm stuck. Or this is the company I'm with or who's going to like me and love me for myself. I know some things that I was telling myself, which is so funny because I'm, I'm usually the friend that that spots toxic relationships and, <laughs> and, and do that. But when I found myself in that before I got out of it, it the dialogue I was having was like, Oh, who else is going to understand me? Or there's so much work here or no one else is going to see me the way you see me, but you it's this weird thin place. You've put yourself and cornered yourself in. Yeah. And, and, and um. you start losing awareness of who you are and you said something that is that was key there you lose sight of your best self you at your best self will not accept this so at what point did you let (laughs) that deteriorate to the point where you are accepting less than you deserve which is a very interesting discussion to have with oneself it's difficult
0: oh it's so it's so difficult because you know in the case of the women that i mentioned and, and I even had a case, you know, my best friend uh, worked for a really toxic company for a long time and there's grief on the other side of that. So
1: yes, yes. Right?
0: a lot of grief, it's grief for the situation that we were part of. It's once the awareness starts bubbling up, it's grief that we allowed ourselves to be subjected to those conditions for so long. And so I think you have, to, you have to experience those things. You have to feel those things. You have to, you know, we, we've gotten so used to, at least in this country, and shoving things away. Just, I'm going to stick it away and stick it in a box and it's going to mm-hmm. be fine. But it's always going to come out. The energy will find a way to come out somehow. So I would say, you know, go through the cycle of, of you know, feeling, feeling the, you know, the pain, the sadness, whatever it is. For me, I asked myself when I was in that toxic work environment, what am I most afraid of? Because that really puts things in perspective and what I was most afraid of was staying there. So I started manifesting, (laughs) right? I I was most afraid of staying there. Like if this is my lot in life, I may as well hang it up right now. So I, that was such a moment of awareness for me that it got my pen to paper. And I started writing down how all of the things that I'm sharing, how do I want to spend the hours of my day? What am I good at? What do I have to give another company? What kind of conditions do I want? Do I want to travel? What kind of manager do I want? What kind of team do I want to be part of? What kind of company do I want to be part of? There's so many companies in this world, but when we're in one place for so long, we begin to believe that there's nothing else.
1: Yeah. We don't think so, we have choices anymore. Right? That is a, is a it's thing. not
0: true. It's not yeah. true. It's a truth that we've adopted that has you know we've been conditioned to adopt over time but if you ask yourself that question what am i most afraid of it, it'll probably it'll probably create some truth for you that will will empower you to move forward
1: so being kind exposes you to options and opportunities and being unkind limits options and opportunities
0: i think so yeah i think so
1: it's a little equation right there <laughs> yeah,
0: it's a little equation we have to start loving ourselves again and that's not like kumbaya, hippie love. And I say that, you know, I I, I, am, I am like a person who believes that the world can be this big, beautiful place. It's going to take a heck of a lot of work. But if we want to guarantee our future, we're going to have to start doing the work. But I think that when I talk about loving ourselves, I talk about, you know, believing in ourselves, understanding who we are. And a lot of us just you know, we have kids or we get caught up in the fast pace of life or responsibilities or whatever, and we forget about all that stuff. So that's an act of being kind and loving yourself is not looking and saying, well, what do I need to fix? But what do I need to live into?
1: I, you know, I couldn't agree with you more and, and uh, self-love is something that I, I hope everyone practices. And I know in the last year or so, that's been something that has been <laughs> uh, either, is shown in spades, or you know, it's been lost, and and, it, and obviously, you know, sometimes I live in New York, right? So, and I'm fortunate to have a place w- with space, but a lot of New Yorkers are, you know, they're in a cramped environment because New York is built vertically as opposed to, you know, um, horizontally. But the thing about New York is, you're, you know, a lot of the money comes from the tourism, the outdoor events, the, you know. Uh, real estate, any of these things that normally would happen in a COVID free environment. And I found that people were having to deal with some demons they hadn't confronted or yes. also people, right? Yeah. Do I really like this person that I committed? I used to only see this person twice a week. Now we're there every time. Uh, or now my kids are need need all my attention. And I'm like, whoa, am I really a good parent? Or oh, I'm feeling guilt over that. And if you don't have self-love, um, I think that it's going to be harder to navigate than uh, a normal day.
0: I agree with you, and I think what was happening. So it's this really interesting point you bring up about connection mm-hmm. uh, that we've lost because of COVID. Because to tell you the truth, I don't think we were doing such a great job before.
1: I agree with that. I yeah.
0: certainly agree. Not, not at all. I mean, my gosh, I I would you know I came to New York every week for work. I was there almost as much as I was home here in North Carolina, and you know, I looked around and I saw faces and phones, earbuds and ears,
1: <laughs>
0: bubbles. Like there's a little movie, a children's movie called Wally. Oh yeah, I know Wally. Yeah, you know Wally. So you know at the end where like, well, I won't blow it for anybody, but you know, somewhere along the movie where they show the people and you know, it's it's that movie was made so long ago and it was that's what I thought of every time that I saw people. It, any place that I was, in the airport, in lines, in coffee shops, whatever, they were bubble people in their little <laughs> world, right? <laughs> and so, I don't think we were doing such a great job at connecting before. What I think has happened, and it's it has been the most difficult thing for people, aside from the isolation and, you know, not being able to go out and go to a restaurant or go to these events, because let's face it, that's what makes New York City so much fun. Yeah, after, the, the restaurants,
1: events, every other events, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Makes my city fun too. I mean, you know, I look at the calendar. I'm like, oh, we should be doing this or we should be doing this, right? And doing these things, but here's the opportunity. We got so caught up in doing and moving fast, right? All the time that we never really gave ourselves or maybe the world didn't give ourselves, whatever the case may be, a chance to sit with ourselves. That's been the hardest part. To your point about the demons, right? Sitting with yourself, having to sit with yourself and maybe you're a person who was just racing through your life before. And so everything seemed okay. And now suddenly it's not because now you're sitting there and you've got some space to like noodle on it.
1: Mm.
0: But that's the opportunity yeah. is to pay attention to what's bubbling up. Don't shove it in the box. What's bubbling up for me. And then if I don't like what I'm seeing right now about myself or my situation or the people I'm hanging out with get your paper out, get your pen out. How do I want to spend the hours of my day? Who do I want to be with and why? And so, so there is this, there is this opportunity, but it's really, really hard work. Sometimes gut-wrenching work to do that.
1: Yeah. You know, I I say the life is the journey from who you are to who you want to be. And (laughs) that's beautiful. Thank you. And a lot of times along the way, along that journey, to who we want to be we take certain detours some people we get scared by the potential of who we can be and we stop some people get seduced by something else that detracts from who we want to be and then you know we, we lose sight of that the highest self but that journey is the most important journey we take because it's essentially a lifelong journey it's not the the destination uh no. you know it's it's the beauty in the journey that you're taken to who you, who you who you want to be and who you can be um and along the way how many mistakes you make and how you react to those mistakes will determine how quick you get there or how slow uh, you get there but it's all about that and it's a constant journey of awareness and intentionality but uh
0: and yeah and absolutely and i mean i failed a million times i used to beat myself up for it when i was in my 20s 30s. I used to beat myself up for that. I'm like, big deal, sister, move on. It's, you know, (laughs) you you look at it and you fail fast and you course correct, and then you roll forward. And, and so the people who feel stuck to me are the people who, you know, sort of ruminate on the failure and, and say, well, I failed, I failed. And I mean, it will really get you down. I know it. I've had that mindset in, in parts of my life, as I've just mentioned, but being able to say, I made a mistake, big deal. What lesson did I, did I learn from that? And how do I spring forward? How do I use this thing as like rocket fuel to propel me to a different place of awareness? Not necessarily a better place, but a different place. So yeah. it's mindset. Like there's a lot of mindset that comes in here. So we go back to the neural pathways.
1: Mindset. And uh, people, folks, ladies, gentlemen, and gender non-binary individuals, I want you to think about this. Companies are made up of people. So- yes, yes. <laughs>
0: Yes,
1: yes, they are. <laughs> so as as a, as a person if you're working on yourself especially if you have a certain power dynamic, you know, you're a leader and you're you're a molder of of other people, think about what's being modeled, right? You you can determine a culture that's unspoken or spoken, you know, think about locker room culture for example, that came from a consistent set of observations or certain behaviors and that's okay. Mm-hmm. It's cool for mm-hmm. me to say that. You could do the, the opposite. And so, yes, kindness might be seen as a corny thing sometimes, or maybe you know, it's like you're not edgy enough or any of that. But then if it's modeled enough consistently, people will be like, Well, I actually think it's cool. <laughs> so and we should make we should make it work. But it, it, it requires that awareness of understanding that the idea to change the world starts with you in your backyard yeah. above your your shoulders and not just jumping and missing steps to get there.
0: I love that about the shoulders, above the shoulders. It's so true. And, you know, my other piece about kindness is, and, and so the, it's, it's case in point in our culture that you just mentioned, like the corniness around kindness, right? It's case in point of how we've been conditioned to sort of think about it. So kindness is strength.
1: I and agree. And it
0: takes so much more strength to be kind than it does to show up and you know, in, in, in other ways, we'll just stay kind and say in other ways. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but I'll tell you that there is a there is a ripple effect of kindness. And you know, when I was when I was working in sales and in strategy, um, in sales in particular, I was consistently number one year over year over year, getting invited to president's club because of performance. So. I was the one walking in, waving the flag, right? Hey, you know this is how we're gonna roll today. I see you, I value you. Every single person in this room has a role to play and without any one of you, we're not gonna get there. Mm. So it's, it, it, is not, it is not that you have to walk in and say, everybody's going to be kind today. In fact, I would say that is a mistake to make. You walk in and you say, let's create one agreement with one another that we're going to show up and do no harm. And what that looks like in this particular meeting is we're going to listen objectively. We're going to take a few breaths before we respond, because by the way, response is better than reaction. It requires choice and awareness and we're going to accept that all of us have a really important role to play in executing or reaching the vision that we we have the purpose that we have for this meeting. And so my experience was my gosh, I was working with people on Wall Street. You talk about people moving fast. And I again was walking in and saying, we're going to make magic. Everybody close your laptops down. Put your phones on do not disturb. Put them face down. If you can't control yourself, put it in the middle of the table. Get your pen and your paper out, we're gonna rock it old school. We're gonna fill up those whiteboards with ideas that are going to come from everyone in this room because the collective is going to make that happen. And guess what? Those whiteboards got filled, people loved it. They were like, this is the best meeting I've been in because I'm here, I'm all here, right? Mm -hmm. And I learned that if you give people that choice over time to slow down, to be seen and to be treated with some respect and some kindness, it catches on like wildfire in this and it changes everything i mean people walk out they're like hey man you want to go grab lunch people from (laughs) like different teams are like i'm not talking to him or her i own these things right they're like hey you want to go grab some lunch you want to keep brainstorming i've lived these things in my own life so I'm, i'm in process of writing a book about these experiences right now because i want people to understand that know we have to reframe the way we think about kindness we have to value it hold it very dear and it doesn't mean that we just walk around and say i'm kind i'm kind it means that every thought that we have that's where it starts every word that we speak every action that we take is reflective of that commitment so you know i I was having this debate with it was really interesting with um this fellow the other day in copenhagen and we were talking and he said well if, if you mean do no harm, explain this to me. Like, what if you walk by somebody who's homeless on the street? You're not doing them any harm by walking by them. I said, you're doing them harm if you walk by them and you don't see them. Yeah. So, so right, so there's there's the difference. So it's, it's, and that is the kindness. Walking by someone on the street who needs money or food or maybe just a smile or, uh, hey, how you doing today? That's not kind. Just walking by and pretending they're not there. That's not kind at all. Seeing them even when it's hard for us, maybe because we feel guilty, we're in a different situation, whatever it is, maybe we feel the problem is too big and we can't solve it. By choosing to do nothing, we're actually choosing to to do harm. And so in that instance, I would say the kind action there is like I mentioned, you stop and you say, How's it going today? What can I do to help? So, you know, there's we we've just we've just lost this whole understanding about kindness. And, and I do believe it's because we've not held it dear enough. So, you know, that's what I would say to the people who are like, Oh, well, that sounds real nice, but (laughs) (laughs) kindness, Cole,
1: kindness. No, this is amazing. Well, I've, you, you closed it perfectly there. Where can people find your work? You know, how can they commit to kindness by connecting to you?
0: Well, they can commit to kindness all on their own by just, beginning to cultivate some awareness by beginning to take some deep breaths when they feel like they're going to do something that would not represent their best selves. So that's the first step. And if everybody can do that, we're going to be in a better place. Just that one simple thing, just start to cultivate some awareness. They want to find me, they can go to coolaudry.com. The Kindness Think Tank is going to be launching on Love Day. It will be in all the places where People get their ear listening stuff like this fabulous podcast. <laughs> and um, they can also find me on LinkedIn under Cole Baker Bagwell. So all those places.
1: All right. And the last question I always have is my mission statement reframed as the question. Uh, my mission okay. statement is use your difference to make a difference. I feel like I know the answer to this question. But how do you, Cole, use your difference to make a difference?
0: Well, I'm being very courageous for one and talking about kindness and not only talking about it, but living it. Taking it into, you know, the most unexpected places every single day. And for me, you know, the biggest difference I can make is to wake up every morning with that awareness that I talked about and that intention Uh and do the best I can to take that into the world and inspire somebody else.
1: That is indeed courageous. <laughs> well,
0: maybe, maybe a little crazy too. I don't know, but I would like to think of it as courageous.
1: No, I think it is courageous, especially in today's world. But thank you. Thank you. This has been a fun conversation. I really enjoyed uh, learning your, your concept and understanding why you believe it's the most important thing that we should focus on.
0: Thank you. I loved being here with you too. And I hope it will inspire other people as well.
1: Me too. Me too. But it's been a pleasure having you here. And ladies, gentlemen, and gender non-binary individuals, till next (laughs) time, use your difference to make a difference. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxen.com.